Today's scripture reading comes from Psalm 103, 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or pay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is the word of the Lord for us. If you want to be successful in board games, you've got to impede your competition. That is, unless you're playing one of the cooperative games. Or I'm talking about the, the majority of board games, which are com- competitive games. You have to impede your competition. You have to block them. You have to nope them. If you're playing Scrabble and they put out a word that seems questionable, you have to challenge them, right? Um, or my favorite game, Settlers of Catan. You put the robber on them, you steal a resource from them. You charge rent in Monopoly when they land on you. You don't just say, oh, that's okay, you get a free pass this time. You know, when you're playing Uno, you use those. Uh, when, when Jonas was a little boy, he called them the damaging cards <laughs> in Uno, the, the ones that are, you know, the draw to, the skip, those kind of cards. You play those against your uh, competitors because you want to win. And you know, in order to win, you have to sort of uh, better your chances by limiting their play. So I'm reminded of a childhood game that, that we played, that you probably played as well, called Sorry. Remember the game Sorry? It's a really simple game where you, you roll, or you, yeah, you roll, you move your pieces, you try to get them in home. But the reason the game is called Sorry is simply because you can't play an entire game of Sorry without those moments, those regular and frequent moments of, well, I'm going to knock you off the board. Or if you have the fire and ice version, well, I'm going to freeze you, right? So you can't play a game without having those moments where you're impeding your competition. And, and when that happens, you say, sorry. In fact, I remember the commercials from like the 80s and 90s where it's these, these you know, punk kid, 10-year-olds with an attitude and they're like, sorry. And you can tell it's like, sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> so when you do that, when you're playing a game, and again, not just the game sorry, but when you're playing any game, and you do that, you block your opponent, you challenge them, and you go, sorry. It's not a genuine apology, right? I mean, you're, you're not expecting them to go, I forgive you. You know, that would be absurd if, if they did that. It's, it's a sorry, but not sorry. It's a courtesy. It's not a heartfelt apology. Now, in our household, and maybe you can tell by uh, what I've shared already, we like board games. We like strategy games. We compete to win. <laughs> we uh, so for Rachel and I, for, for our children, we, we compete to win. We've never just given our kids the easy win. Like, oh, whoop, you beat me. You know, it's like, you know, you have to earn it. You have to reach that point where you understand and you're skilled enough to. But, so we, we've, we've modeled for them competitiveness. But at the same time, we're also trying to encourage good sportsmanship. You know, you, you win sometimes, you lose most of the time, uh, you know, so we're, we're, that's what we're trying to do. Um, we laugh about how competitive we are, but to be sure, I laugh more than Rachel does. <laughs> I think sometimes in life, our apologies are kind of the same as they are in games, where it's not a genuine, heartfelt recognition of wrong and, and a desire to reconcile it's more of sorry, but not sorry. And so I, I want to just say at the onset of this morning and at the onset of what we're, we're starting a brand new sermon series, that I don't think we're very good at seeking forgiveness. A- in fact, I think maybe it's because we don't have a very good understanding 
of us and the forgiveness we have received. But there's good news from the Bible. Like what the Lord says in Hebrews 8.12. I want to start there this morning. We're going we're to be in Psalm 103, but I want to start with this verse from Hebrews 8.12. The Lord says, I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. And so the good news this morning is that because of Jesus, we can be fully forgiven. And that makes all the difference in the world. Let me introduce myself. I'm John. I serve as lead pastor. Thrilled that you are with us today. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. We're starting a new fall sermon series, and it's called Sorry. <laughs> we are going to be learning how to forgive. We are going to go to the scriptures, and we're going to explore the importance of forgiveness. The importance of forgiveness. You see, God's forgiveness to each and every one of us, to each and every person, it is a merciful gift. It is a gift, and it transforms how we deal with our sin and how we deal with the sin of others. And so I'd like to begin this morning with this idea, with this understanding, with an acknowledgement. We all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. So, so we're going to begin this morning, we're going to begin this series, not with a, boy, those people are really rotten, and isn't it good news that God will forgive them? We're going to begin with recognizing we all need forgiveness. It's not just for that person over there. It's not just for the person who's done wrong to you. It's not for the person next to you. It's not for the person just on the stage. It's for all of us. We all need forgiveness, and the reason is because we've all sinned. That's right. We have all done wrong. We have all broken God's law. Let's talk a little bit about that. Because there are sins of commission, right? We, we talk about t uh, two different categories of sins. Sins of commission, that is where we actively break God's law. So we lie. We have hatred. We harbor grudges. We slander. We gossip. We judge. We worry. We lust. We envy. We complain. Did you know that the scripture says don't complain? That's a sin. <laughs> Guilty. So we've all done wrong. So these are sins of commission where we actively choose. We disobey God's law. We don't do what God uh, has. We, we do what God has forbidden us to do. And then there are also sins of omission, right? So these are the things that we should do, but we don't do. We, we know that this is a, a truth of scripture from James 4.17, which says, anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you sin. This is called sins of omission. And I just want to say the, the idea of a sin of omission is a very biblical worldview. Like, we get, we get this from Scripture. The, the world, the unbelieving, pagan, heathen, godless world doesn't view things this same way. They say, I can do what I want. I don't have to do what you tell me to do, what God tells me to do, what anybody tells me to do. I don't have to do the things that I don't want to do. That's the worldly perspective. So they, they don't necessarily recognize that there could be sins of omission because it's, I can do it my way. There's no one that's going to tell me otherwise. So this is a very biblical worldview, although, isn't it interesting that in certain communities, in regions, they have good Samaritan laws? Hmm. Are you familiar with these? So, so a good Samaritan law is one where 
there, there is a burden of responsibility on onlookers to provide what, what's typically, typically called like reasonable help, reasonable assistance to someone who is in crisis or distress. Hmm, isn't that interesting? <laughs> like it shows that deep down, people truly do understand that not acting when you should is wrong. That's why those laws exist. So sins of omission, it's when we don't do what God calls us to do. And we know what the scripture calls us to do, or at least I hope we do. We spend, uh, we spend a lot of time teaching the Bible and studying the Bible. It calls us to help widows and orphans. That's, that's what the Lord calls us to do. It calls us to feed the hungry, to welcome the stranger, to meditate on the word of God, to pray for those who persecute us. When we don't do those things, those are sins of omission. God has called us. God has told us. He has commanded us. And yet, we sometimes fail to act. And we can say, why? You know, I'm I'm busy. I'm too busy with my own agenda. I have my own life. I have my own priority. But see, when we get into that place of, of... I don't really care about the needs that are around me. I just already have enough to do. I'm going to allow my emotions to guide me. We're sinning. And, and really, this is, this is where the scriptures talk about this idea of the daily battle between flesh and spirit. Like the, the daily choice that you and I have to make. So will we choose to have our decisions and our actions guided by our own sinful fleshly desires and wants, or will we submit to the Spirit of God? The reason I mention that, the sins of commission, the sins of omission, choosing every day, will, will we submit to God's Spirit directing us, is simply to say, we all fall short. We've all done wrong. We all find ourselves guilty because we've either broken God's law or we've failed to act when God has called us to. In fact, we've done both, if we're totally honest. So, we have all sinned. We all need forgiven. And the guilt that comes with sin then, it's only removed by receiving God's amazing forgiveness. That's how it's removed. It's not by, well, I'll just try to do more good deeds, and if, uh, if, I, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, right? Again, that's, that's not a biblical perspective. That's a worldly perspective. If the good outweighs the bad, then maybe St. Peter will say, sure, come on in to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we've all done wrong. We, we've all sinned. We're all guilty. And there's only one way for us to be forgiven, and that's through Jesus. So isn't this good news, that because of Jesus, we can be fully forgiven? In fact, let's turn there. If you have your Bible with you, Psalm 103, where Nate read for us a few minutes ago. We're really going to be spending some time there this morning. We no longer have to live under the weight of our guilt and our sin. Instead, as we read in verse 12 there, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And if you take note of Psalm 103, who wrote it? David. One of the big time 
heroes of the faith, Bible characters. We have a bunch of stories about his life. We know some of the things that he did, some of the things he didn't do. We know about David. He's the one that wrote this. The the scriptures say, David, he's a man after God's own heart. But if you know anything about him, you know he messed up big time. That he sinned, that he he was not perfect. He he committed adultery with Bathsheba. In fact, we're going to talk more about that next Sunday. (laughs) So I I won't go into that in detail this morning. We will next Sunday as we look at Psalm 51 and and the things that David did there. Um, But we know he was not perfect. We know he made mistakes. And yet, he's the one who writes Psalm 103 where he praises God for his tremendous love. And you go... The guy who messed up is the guy who talks about how God is so merciful and forgiving. Because he was forgiven. And and I want to say, I'm so thankful that forgiveness isn't fair. (laughs) Like, it so often comes across as uh, as being not fair. When you think about forgiveness, it, 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 it seems like, well, it's really not fair at all. Like, you did wrong. Don't you need the punishment? Don't you need, like, like I'm just going to let you off for no reason, like when you've done wrong, when you've committed a crime? It doesn't seem fair that we've done wrong, but we don't receive the punishment that we deserve. This is, again, this is each and every day we have a choice to make. Am I going to operate by my flesh and sinful nature or operate by the Spirit of God? So if you strike me in the face, my fleshly response is to hit you back. And to hit you back even harder than you hit me, by the way. Because <laughs> that was uncalled for. And yet, what does Jesus call us to do? To turn the other cheek. If you hurt one of my children, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go too far down that road. Let's just say... Justice demands that you are also hurt. My my sense of justice says, you hurt one of my kids, so I very much want you to also hurt. But that's not the way of Jesus. Like, again, I mentioned it a moment ago. Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Okay, all right. Pray for my enemies. I'll pray for my enemies. I'll pray they get stung by hornets. (laughs) Again, that's our, that's our gut-level response, isn't it? That's our emotion. Pray for my enemies, sure. I'll pray for them all right. Now that's fair. But hear me this morning when I say, thank God that it isn't always fair. Because if it were fair, you and I would get what we deserve. Are you following me on that? Yes, God is a God of justice, and I don't have time to get into all of what that means this morning, and I am, I'm not saying otherwise. He is a God of justice, and in with sin, there are consequences. But because of Jesus, there is forgiveness. What good news. And how thankful I am that it, 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 forgiveness isn't fair. We don't want the Lord to treat us as our sins deserve, my friends. He is just. He is gracious. Because of Jesus, we can be fully forgiven. But that guilt weighs us down. 
So as we study Psalm 103 this morning, we recognize that there is a burden of guilt for our wrongdoing. When you know you've sinned, it's like you're carrying around a weight. It's a spiritual heaviness because you're under condemnation. Because that, that the wages of sin is death, Scripture teaches us. You're under condemnation. And, and so for most people, they're walking around with it. For most people who don't know the freedom that we have in Christ, they're walking around with condemnation, with guilt, as if it is a burden on them. And I'll tell you, the tendency that we have, as well as others, the tendency we have with our guilt is to do one of two things. The, the one is to wallow in it. That is to, it becomes so overwhelmingly dark and heavy and depressing. And it's just this exercise in remembering our wrongs and, and telling ourselves and listening to the lies of the enemy that we are worthless, that we are invaluable, that we can't be forgiven. So the tendency is to either wallow in it or to deny it. Um, maybe that's better, better said as just playing the comparison game. Not necessarily denial of it, but, but sort of minimization. Okay, I know I've done wrong, but I'm better than that guy. <laughs> okay, sure, I might not have done everything perfectly, but most people have really done a lot worse. Like, I really, I shouldn't feel badly about this. Or sometimes we say, no one even knows. No one knows I had that thought. No one knows I did that. And others have done much worse. And everybody does stuff like that. Or I had good reason. I had good reason for why I did these things. Or I didn't do those things. So we either wallow in it or we make excuses for it. But in either case, guilt weighs us down. I think about endurance athletes who train with a, with a rucksack or like a weighted vest. And so when you train with, when you're running and exercising with the weight on, and then competition day arrives, and you're, you're doing a race or you're doing your CrossFit or whatever it is, and you take off the weight, you're that much lighter, you're that much faster, you're that much more free. How absurd would it be if you're going for a PR, if you want, if you want speed, to keep the weight on? And yet, I think that's what a lot of believers do today. It's what a lot of us do when we have that weight of guilt that still stays with us. We are carrying around guilt for things that Christ has forgiven. And so I want, to, I want us to hear this clearly this morning, that because of Jesus, we are fully forgiven. The Lord wants us to run a good race. He wants to throw off everything that hinders a person under that weight, a person under that guilt, a person under that condemnation knows not freedom. But let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Oh, this is so good. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Everybody say, no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. So we're not going to carry around the weight of our guilt any longer. The things that Christ has forgiven, we will say, yes, we believe you. Thank you. 
we confess our wrongs, and we receive, we accept the forgiveness that he offers. And, you know, I think sometimes we really, we're better at offering forgiveness to others. Some of us are better at saying, I forgive you, it's okay, we're all good. Like, we're better at offering forgiveness to others or, 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 or uh, even asking God to forgive us for what we've done, done wrong rather than embracing the forgiveness and walking in newness of life. So we need to praise God for his forgiveness. We need to walk unencumbered by our guilt, knowing that we are truly fully forgiven. So here's the truth then, if we go back to Psalm 103, starting in verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's what I was talking about a moment ago. Isn't it, isn't it good that, that with forgiveness, it's not fair. We don't want fair. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. Do you think David would have been the man, the leader, the, the person he was if he had not uh, embraced the forgiveness that God had for him? What if he had carried around with him the, the burden of guilt? No way. He messed up big time. He acknowledged that. But instead of carrying that, he repented. He begged for forgiveness, and then he rejoiced. Think of the Psalms that are filled with rejoicing and praising and thanking God. He was forgiven. He rejoiced because he was forgiven. He rejoiced because he had experienced God's love. And I want to make this clear. Forgiveness is not based on anything we do. <laughs> it is not based on what we do. God does the forgiving. We accept it. We, we repent of our wrongs. We confess them. But we accept what God does in our lives. It's based on God's grace. It is Jesus, only Jesus, who removes our burden of sin. It's why he was crucified on the cross. That was the punishment. That was the penalty. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He died so that each and every one of us could be forgiven. His death, his blood was the price that was paid. It was the price that was required because of our wrong. So that we could be a part of God's kingdom as we put our trust and faith in him. And of course we know Jesus didn't just die and stay dead. He, by the power of God on the third day, he was raised back to life. He defeated death. And so he sets us free from the power of sin and death. He sets us free from guilt for the wrongs that we've done. I want you to hear this morning that God has forgiven you. That God stands ready to remove that burden of guilt when we turn to him, when we confess our wrongs, when we repent. He stands ready to forgive and to restore he removes the burden of guilt. You can lay your burden down. This morning after the service, we'll have uh, our prayer team in the front. We would welcome you to come. We'd be honored to pray with you, to go with you before God's throne of grace, to lay down your burdens at the foot of the cross. That way you can run your race unhindered. I, I love it. What we see here is that he he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Like the east and the west will never meet, by the way. They're so far gone, they're in opposite directions. The east and the west cannot meet. 
And he's saying, I've removed them from you in such a way that I'm not going to bring them back up. I'm not going to remind you of them. You're not condemned because of them. So Romans 4.25 tells us, he was handed over to die because of what? Our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. This is the good news. This is why Jesus came. This is why he sacrificed his life on the cross. And the enemy is going to try to tell you that you're not worthy. He's going to remind you of the wrong things you've done, of the opportunities you've missed. He's going to even tell you what you've done is unforgivable. You've gone too far. God's done with you. But it's not true. Don't believe that. Don't allow Satan to have a foothold in your life by saying those lies to you. You, because of Jesus, can be forgiven. And I mean fully forgiven. Look at Psalm 103. He is compassionate. He removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. If we want to look at another example in the Bible, we've talked about David. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul. (laughs) I mean, notorious sinner. He says, chief of sinners. Like, you think you've done wrong. I've done worse. He was known, of course, for hunting down and persecuting Christians, for for martyring, for killing followers of Jesus. And you go, well, that's not someone that God would look favorably upon, right? Like the the people who are actively uh, beheading and killing and chasing down followers of Jesus, God's not going to look on them favorably. Wrong. Paul, Saul, of course, was his, his name, but he had the experience where he's traveling on the road and a great light shines down from heaven and a voice calls out to him, Why are you persecuting me? He was blinded for three days. You could read about it in Acts chapter 9. He's blinded for three days, and he chooses Jesus (laughs) as his Lord and Savior. He chooses to repent of his wrongs, seek forgiveness, and then the scriptures say the Lord filled him with the Holy Spirit, and something like scales fell from his eyes. And he could see. He could see physically, but he could also see spiritually. And part of what he saw, part of what he understood was, even though I've done these horrible things, I'm a murderer. I I martyred and persecuted followers of Jesus. Part of what he could see clearly was, but I am forgiven. And of course, God used him to preach the gospel, to share the good news with the entire known world. And it only happened because Christ removed the burden of his sin by forgiving him. Only then did the Apostle Paul step out in boldness to change the world with the good news of Jesus. And so I'm reminded this morning of the Lord. It was Jesus who called out to Paul on the Damascus Road, but how he calls to each and every one of us. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, he says. Come to me. Don't listen to what the world says. Don't listen to what the enemy says. Come to me, Jesus says. All you who are weary and burdened. You're carrying around guilt. You're carrying around shame. The things that he longs to forgive us and set us free. And he says, I will give you rest. And as I share this here with you, brothers and sisters, many of you, most of you, you've been following Jesus a long time. You've heard this passage about Jesus saying, come and find rest for your weary souls. You've heard that before. But even as I share that in our midst, it's encouraging for us. But you know what strikes me is to say, 
don't you agree that this is a message the world needs to hear? Like, like it's one thing for us to, we come inside the four walls of this church building and we say, oh, isn't this wonderful? Jesus says, you know, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you respite. Don't you agree that this is a message the world needs to hear? The weary, sin-sick world, the ones who are so burdened, who are living under condemnation, under this spiritual heaviness, to hear this good news that you can be forgiven, that even though you've done wrong, and you've got to reach that point, okay, so yes, that's part, that's part of the message we share, is you've got to reach that point of saying, I've done wrong, you have to recognize your sin, repent, turn from it. Confess what you've done and seek the forgiveness of Christ. But when you do that, he stands ready to forgive and set you free and heal you and restore hope in you. And maybe even like like the Apostle Paul, he wants to use you to be a world changer. Don't you think the world needs to hear that message? I do. We, we say it every single week that we're here as a church family, that our vision, our mission, it's to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. Will we do that? Will we obey? Thanks be to God that even though we've done wrong and we deserve the punishment for our sins, our, our destiny is hell apart from Christ. He has forgiven us. He sent Jesus to pay the penalty Everyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame, the scriptures say. That's such good news for us. And it's a message the world needs to hear. Because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, we can be fully forgiven. And here's what that means then. We can walk in freedom. We can walk in boldness. We can walk in newness of life. John 8, 36 says, Who the Son sets free is free indeed. (laughs) That's, a, that's like a hallelujah, woo, scripture. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Our confidence is in Christ. If we boast, we will only boast in the cross. And as a people who are free, we will choose to freely give the Lord thanks and give the Lord honor and give the Lord credit and speak of his worth and his wisdom and his goodness. How can you not walk in freedom when you hear about God's love and God's goodness and God's forgiveness. So let's key in on verse 11. We're in Psalm 103. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And verse 13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on all who fear him. God's part is compassion and grace and forgiveness. Eternal life based on the saving work of Christ and on his victorious resurrection. Our part, to fear him. And a good biblical understanding there is it's not this, uh, I'm so scared and frightened. It's a fear. It's a biblical concept of reverence and awe. We fear him. We honor him. We live in grateful response. To him because of what God has done, because God is gracious, we choose to walk in obedience, not to earn his favor, not to earn salvation in response to what God has done to us. There's a big difference there where sometimes we're kind of an old Christian curmudgeon when I got to do the right thing. No, you don't have to do the right thing. You have freedom. You have the freedom to choose. 
And when you know of God's goodness, when, when you're able to say the things that Psalm 103 says about God's compassionate, compassion and grace and goodness, then you choose in response to that to walk in obedience, to walk in freedom, and yes, to share this good news with others. You just can't keep it in. You just can't keep it to yourself. Sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your relatives, with your classmates. If, and I want to say this. If God has called us to that, which we believe he has, then he will equip us for it. If God has called us to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world, then he will give us opportunities. He will put you in the right school, in the right neighborhood, in the right job, in the right family in the right checkout line, at the right restaurant. He will equip you for it. He will lead you to opportunities to do it. Will we seize those opportunities? Will we pursue it with a passion? Or will we fail to recognize the amazing gift of God's forgiveness? And I'll tell you when that happens, especially for for those of us who've grown up in the church, who've grown up as the good boy, who you compare your life to others and you go, I'm really not that bad. Is then I minimize God's forgiveness. That's the danger for, for church folk like me. Is we, we minimize. God's forgiveness really doesn't seem all that big or all that radical because I haven't really done all that wrong. And that's the wrong approach. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And my destiny is separated from a loving and holy God in the flames of hell because of my sin, because of what I've done wrong, but only by his mercy and only because of that shed blood. And there's only one person who could be the sacrifice, and that's Jesus, fully God, fully man. It's in that place that we recognize I've been forgiven. God has saved me. God has rescued me. So we will embrace, we will accept, we will understand how amazing God's gift of forgiveness is. And we will share it with others. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That might sound redundant to you. Like, okay, yeah, there's freedom for set, set us free. What it's saying is, you say you're free because of Christ. Are you living like it? It is for freedom. That means freedom to worship big and loud. That means freedom to tell people about Jesus. That means freedom to walk in radical obedience, even when other people don't understand it. It is for freedom that he has set us free. And then he says, Paul says in Galatians 5.1, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't fall back into those old ways whether it's sinfulness or the sinfulness of legalism and judgmentalism. And so I want you to hear this clearly this morning, that if you're carrying with you the guilt of your past, today's the day to let it go. To recognize God has forgiven you. God has removed those transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Carrying it is only going to weigh you down. It's, you will never be the person God wants you to be. You'll never be a world changer. You'll never make the impact that God has designed uniquely for you with the purpose that he has for your life if you live under condemnation and guilt. It is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Guilt weighs you down. But Jesus can bear your burden. Jesus offers rest to the weary heart. Only in him is there freedom. There's no other way to find it. There's no, there's no other path. It's only through Christ. It's only through encountering him. And he offers freedom from sin. He offers freedom from casting judgment on others. Freedom to walk in obedience to Christ. Freedom to share the good news that because of Jesus, everyone who trusts in him can be fully forgiven. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this good news that the Bible teaches us very clearly the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we choose today to be found in you. We choose today to accept the free gift of salvation that you offer. We do so by putting our faith in you, by trusting you, by taking you at your word. And yes, Lord, today, by celebrating and rejoicing that you've forgiven us. That you, Lord Jesus, took the punishment for our wrongs. That he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And then, Lord, would you just infuse us with the hope of the gospel that we would go forth as heralds, as ambassadors, as messengers. How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. In all the places you send us, Lord, give us opportunity, give us boldness. That your kingdom would grow. That the lost would be found. That those who are spiritually dead would be raised to life, that those living under condemnation and the burden of guilt would be set free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Be honored by our gathering this morning. Thank you for what you're doing. We bless you and pray only in Jesus' precious name.